Today's episode, Forsaken. I'm in the studio today with Billy Mavreas. Um, you brought into the studio here, lying between us is a big pile of, um, of I guess, what looks like little, you know, bits of trash um, in, in, wow. in little, little tiny Ziploc bags. Yeah, one man's trash, John, as the saying goes, right? Um, they're little bits of things that I've found over the years that I've yeah. uh, commemorated. These are um, these are objects that have been like lost or thrown away or in some way kind of like forsaken by other people and and picked up by you. Yeah, I kind of try to redeem them. Why do you feel compelled to to pick up these objects? I, at this point, it's probably habit. A lot of my friends make fun of me for it. I've yeah. been doing it since I the first time I would go out consciously looking uh -huh. or finding things because I've never looked without finding. Mm -hmm. um, I was probably in grade three. There was a little parking lot that wasn't used anymore, and I would walk around there finding little bits of, of uh, lost toys. Like here's a, a very kind of crumpled, wrinkled-looking, faded photo of like a one-year-old in his one-piece pajamas. It's the kind of thing that somebody didn't want to lose. Uh-huh. You know, who wants to lose a, a little picture of their, of their kid, you know? So I can't leave it in the snow. I can't leave it on the street. It's being dishonored. But then there's also, like, I'm, I'm holding up uh, some iodized salt from a Kentucky Fried Chicken. <laughs> well, like, well, you know, that's where we get into the, into the little nuts sort of okay, domain. It, it, it's, also, it's also something, oh, here, here's the deal about yeah. this, all right? Mm -hmm. Who else is keeping this crap? Colonel Sanders? What, the archive, the great KFC archive? Yeah, quite possibly, right? But I like the idea of also keeping a sample of something mm -hmm. that is always used and thrown out. Here you've got... Um, You've got a a glad uh, twist tie. Yeah. Well, how did that? Why? Why that? I, you know, I probably I like the color combination of red and yellow. Mm-hmm. So I had to document it. Well, I think like I mean I think like really without you know busting your chops or any, too you much. You can bust my chops, John. I know, and I and I will. We'll get to that. We'll oh, get okay. to the chop busting all right, all right. part of the interview. But um, I I feel like looking at them like. There is something inherently pleasing, like like it does reawaken you to the beauty of the colors and the uh, you know the the aesthetic value. Absolutely, you you look. It's something is being pulled out of a huge pile of garbage. One little object is being pulled out of it. Okay? Yeah. And we could look at it again and say, what is this thing? Right. You've got this uh, one, which is a uh, a hub above a wrapper. That's right. In a tiny little Ziploc mm -hmm. bag. Like, what compelled you? Like, where does it stop? Like, why pick up this um, this hub above a wrapper? and leave, say, you know, a dentine wrapper on the floor. Right, or the chip bag. Right. Uh, I like clean things. Uh -huh. uh, I don't want to have to really, you know, wipe foodstuffs off mm -hmm. something that I find. Um, and I've had to have checks and balances so that I don't uh, haul in everything into the house and, uh, you know, create a vermin problem. Why do you do? You, are there ever um, are there ever things that you pick up that are uh, gross? That are yeah, that are sort of filthy. I don't look at the gross stuff. I don't. Pay, I, I skip over the gross stuff, John. You see, because like a lot of people like would consider like all of this stuff sort of um, maybe a little bit gross. Like I was raised to to think you know anything that you find on the sidewalk could have potentially been spit on. You know, so you just sort of left what was on the ground on the ground. Right. I uh, I was probably taught that too to a certain mm -hmm. degree. I guess it didn't sink in. Yeah. Like what was it like the first piece that you found and decided that you were going to that this was going to be the beginning of what will one day be a great collection? Well, it didn't start with the found object. It started with the bubble gum. How do you mean? I was chewing bubble gum, mm -hmm. and uh, and I 
Is that is that chewed gum in that bag? This is my chewed gum. Let me see this. You you would touch that? I th- I, well, I that it's, in, be... it's in a good vacuum sealed bag. That's right, right. It is, and it's dried now, and all the saliva and all the bacteria it's is gone. It's flattened pink chewing gum. That's yes, what this is. That's right. Yeah. Why? why? Okay. Well, look, because where else is the flat? Dry gum gonna go. It's on the go bottom of someone's shoe. On the street, on the bottom of the, the underneath the of, the, of the desk or whatever, right? So uh-huh. I'm like, oh, I know what I'll do. I'm gonna preserve the the gum. I'm gonna so I chew the gum, and then I stuck it in the little baggie because I had the baggie, and I flattened it out, and then I then it dried. Some of them didn't work out. This one got a little crumbly, which is too bad. But then I realized, you know, pink bubble gum. <laughs> that's not one shade of pink, my Wait, friend. Wait, is this also gum? This one? No. Uh, uh, ooh. Okay, what what is uh, what is this one, for instance? This seems to be like a, a bit of paper that uh, from a sugar packet that uh, you just put in a little baggie. John. Hey, good eye. I just actually crumpled it up and stuck it in a bag. I know, but what was in the bag already? Uh, there was a match book that I just took out. Sorry. Uh, can I see it? Yeah. Let's see. Oh, that one. Yeah. You you can have that, John. No, I don't need that one. I'm going to... Um, I'm gonna, let's rebag Yeah, it. let's put that back in the bag. Okay. I'm sorry about that. I was just trying to, That's like... Okay. But did, okay. did, right away, did you realize that it wasn't yours? Because I thought maybe I could slip in... No, yeah, You right know, away. like a little piece of yeah. something. Yeah. Right away, you could tell it wasn't yeah. something you had chosen. That's right. I couldn't slip it by you. No. Okay. Well, you know, that, that yeah. that's what I wanted to see. It's not... I mean, these things aren't random. Mm-hmm. It might appear random because there's a big pile yeah. of them on the, on, the, on the table in front right. of us here, but it's not random. Yeah. Um, I rarely share them with people because it's... Uh, uh, you know, there's few of of my peers that want to get in on this. <laughs> like, yeah, when you're when you're walking down the street with your friends or your girlfriend or something, like, do do they do they enjoy this with you or do they find it like, get on with it, stop bending down, and yeah. let's make the movie or whatever? Yeah, yeah, stop it, like stop. Uh... Mm-hmm. Sometimes I feel that it's going to be lost there. It's going to be forgotten. No one else is going to notice this thing on the sidewalk. I'm, yeah, I'm picking this thing up. And it's like, let's say it's a little plastic hot dog, for example. Which you've got there in a little Ziploc bag. By finding it and putting it in a little baggie, it's, uh, I'm saying, hey, little hot dog, you're not forgotten. Everything's cool. Like, you're home again. You're, you're home again. Um, thank you for uh, coming into the studio today. It was uh, my pleasure, Jonathan. I hope you enjoyed looking at all these little bits of uh, interesting uh, curiosity. I did, but I'm going to go wash my hands now. Or maybe you got some uh, Kentucky Fried uh, Chicken moist wipes in one of these that I can I have a moist wipe collection at home. Yeah, I figured. The rummage sale was set up in the church basement. All the dolls were put on one table together. They started chit-chatting immediately. Dolls are social. That's what they were invented for, after all. To always be up for playing with children when no one else is. Humans can barely make out their voices when they talk. They make an almost inaudible sound that is similar to that of hair burning. It's a small noise that you assume is coming from some place far away. None of the dolls here is in particularly good shape. Everyone has lost their shoes. They wear dirty socks and their dresses have chocolate milk stains. There is no laundry for dolls to go to. 
Once you are dirty, you are dirty forever. You are stuck with a bad haircut into eternity. There is a doll who used to be named Mary, the doll with four fingers. She was operated on by a child with a pair of blunt scissors and black yarn. Her intestines are filled with hidden things, a key to an old diary, and a few coins from Poland. She is 50 years old, but she's got the face of a baby girl. She came in a marvelous box filled with trinkets. There were postcards of the Eiffel Tower and bottles of perfume and powder. There was a pill bottle filled with baby teeth. There were porcelain teacups with zebras and birds with winding tails on them. She came from a good time. Now she wears a dirty white coat and a blue nightgown that she borrowed from another doll 20 years before. She likes to talk about the war, about how it made everyone feel so alive. What we would do for a pair of stockings, she cries. She has long eyelashes drawn around her eyes by a child with a ballpoint pin. They give her a misty-eyed, drunk look. Next to Mary is a doll in a black dress named Clemente. She was left under the snow for an entire winter once. Once she was brought back inside, she became friends with a taxidermid rabbit in the hall. They were always pretending that they were married. He had a little piece of paper with his Latin name on it, written in black ink. He thought this was his ticket to a museum. Clemente once believed she might end up in a museum, just like some other dolls she knew. But she had been wrong. She ended up here, at the rummage sale, with a price tag for three dollars on her wrist. Then there is Elsie. She is a rather cheaply made doll. She hides the information on her behind that says her date and place of birth. She can't have anyone know that she is only five years old and was made in China. There is a German doll named Carmen. She talks about how in Germany, all the dolls wear black boots and are given their own beds. They are driven in baby carriages down the street. She used to go to a tea party every day of the week. She is not ashamed to admit that now she is addicted to tea. She has spent the past few nights going through withdrawal. One doll named Ella has an eye that falls into the back of her head. You have to shake her violently to get the eye to go back into its place. But she claims that when her eye is in her head, it has visions. She is able to see the little girl who used to own her standing on the back of a bench waiting for a bus. She was able to see her wearing a long black coat at her mother's funeral. And then there is a doll whose red jacket and matching trousers have been taken off. Without these, she is almost certain not to be bought. The worst thing is to be a naked doll. She is terrified that she will be mistaken for garbage. 
The dolls all know how it goes. You are taken home and told you are special. You are defined by being loved. Love exposes you to loneliness. Love gives you a personality, but damages you too. None of the dolls at the rummage sale want to see themselves as trash. Each one knows that once she was special, once she was loved. So, Liz, you were sort of involved in uh, in this zine called Infiltration. Yeah, it's the zine about going places you're not supposed to go. Right. So it means things like looking at rooftops, looking in tunnels, looking mm-hmm. in um, corridors off to the side, looking in abandoned buildings, sneaking around the disused and forgotten parts of active buildings or any part of your landscape, really. And what that means in terms of philosophy is going around with your eyes open, mm-hmm. being curious about the world in which you live. Yeah, like one of the, one of the things that um, sort of strikes me about it is is it's sort of like the kind of thing that kids do. Very much so. Yeah. Like when you're a child, everything is effective and sensory and intriguing, and you kind of want to know, and it's encouraged as part of the child culture to be curious and to look around and to learn about things. And for some reason, when we get to be adults, we kind of stop doing that. So, like, you know, you're, you you pass by a warehouse that has a no trespassing sign and you're just, you know, you want to make the bus that you're trying to catch or whatever, and it's just sort of in the periphery. Well, I mean, I mean, I think for a lot of people it's not even in the periphery. You know, it's just part of the static of living in a busy urban environment. But maybe for other people who are a little more curious, a little more strange, they might see the warehouse and think, wow, what a really beautiful building. And I'm just going to forget about catching the I'm going to forget about going into work today. <laughs> I guess it depends on where you got to be. <laughs> so in terms of the first abandoned place I saw, the first big trip I remember was a trip to the Buffalo Central Terminal in Buffalo, New York, which is an abandoned Art Deco train station. Can you describe like what, what that felt like? Seeing a building that's supposed to have tens of thousands of people in it without any of those people and all by yourself in the quiet is, is a lot like seeing someone without their clothes on that you really weren't expecting to. I don't believe in ghosts, but what I do believe in is, is memory and collective memory, and you can almost feel this presence of you know, people getting excited to get on the train to go to New York City and wearing nice clothes and buying a pack of gum in the candy store and buying a postcard and mailing it and now there's rubble. Where do you draw the line? Like where are there certain uh, kind of transgressions that you wouldn't uh, indulge in? Like well you don't violate people's privacy. You don't do things that are going to hurt other people. Um, you know, there are, there are a million ways that you could uh, cause problems for others as well. Like, you could even cause problems for other explorers. I mean, one of the problems that we had was we uh, told a story about exploring a ship that's um, near St. Catharines, Ontario, on the mm-hmm. QEW. It's a really beautiful 
uh, sort of pirate-looking ship, hmm. and we found that it had used to be a, a floating restaurant, actually from Quebec, that mm-hmm. had been towed out to the side of the highway and sort of left in the water for dead by its owner. And we wrote about exploring it and rafting out to visit it, and within a year, somebody had arsonized the whole ship. Hmm. Wow. It's not like we were the first people to ever see it or anything. Right. But talking about how easy it was to get to and how cool it was to be on there made us feel a little guilty when we found that this really beautiful thing had been destroyed. Could you could you give me some like how tos like how how I would start um, just kind of going out there and exploring? Like like do I need to set aside a whole day for this or can I can I fit it into my normal life? <laughs> can I just kind of like you know strike out on my lunch break? Uh, it depends on what you want to do. <laughs> I mean I think that the the kind of lovely thing about urban exploration is that it's really not about, you know, it's not a goal-oriented kind of a sport. Do I need a helmet? Mm, maybe, if you're looking at a construction site. Do I need a utility belt? Not if you're exploring a fancy hotel. Okay, well you're, you're visiting a fancy hotel, say, like the majority of people might gravitate towards the swimming pool or the, um, you know, the cocktail lounge. Where, where would be the first place that you would wander to? For me, it's always a real choice between up or down. Do you want to look for the roof or do you want to look for the basement? Both mm. are pretty cool. Like when you have these giant buildings in major cities, the things they do with storage can be very strange. Um, you can find rooms full of computer parts, telephones, costumes, Christmas trees. And sometimes that juxtaposition is uh, bizarrely lovely. Hmm. There's also something really whimsical about it a lot of the time. Are, are you thinking of a specific place? I'm it's an amalgam of so many places. Is there is there one particular place you could think of? Do you think I'm naming names? Because I'm not. <laughs> you don't want to name names. I'm not going to go on the radio and tell people to go to this room in this hotel and look at this thing. <laughs> right. You don't want to actually tell people to go out there. Um, I'm just not going to write the map for them. Right. In terms of the first step, I I think that when you happen to walk past an interesting door and you look inside it, you're exploring. You're an urban explorer. You've broken out of your little pattern and have kind of decided to see if there's anything interesting on the other side of that. And the truth is, there may not be. But maybe a lot of people who work in in downtown areas Mm -hmm. don't know that their building has a really pretty rooftop. Mm -hmm. Maybe it has a great view. Maybe you're not supposed to get up there. Maybe there's an herb garden on it. And, and what specific place are you thinking of in, in downtown Toronto that has a nerve I'm garden? I'm not. <laughs> I'm not giving you know, a location. All right. Okay. <laughs> However, mm. opening your mind to those possibilities is the same kind of creative adventure spirit that's going to uh, allow you to see, you know, the abandoned building or the interesting construction site or the big hole in the ground near you with new eyes. For me knowing your city on a variety of different levels and kind of knowing its secrets Mm -hmm. is that when you walk through the city Mm -hmm. you know something about the places you are you know what's underground you know what's above you you know what's behind the doors you know something intimate
Una, I've got you and a, and a few other kids on the line, and I was going to play you some sounds and see if you know what they are. Okay? Okay. These are sounds that were a big part of my life when I was a kid, and, and I don't know if they're even around so much nowadays. So I just wanted to see if kids today still know what these things are. Okay. Okay? Okay. All right. Um, Atticus? Mm-hmm. You all set? Yeah. Michaela? Mm-hmm. You there? Yeah. Rel? Yeah. Hello? Hannah? Hi. Kiela? Mm-hmm. Okay, let's go. Uh, I'm going to play you the first sound. Here we go. You know what that was? Chainsaw? Cha- I'm sorry, you said? A chainsaw. Oh. I thought it might be a car starting or a photocopier. Um, sounds a bit like, um, like paper getting scrunched up together. It's like a bingo ball that are falling with the game. Hmm. Uh, it sounds like two rocks scratching together. That's true. It kind of does sound like that. You know what it was, though? No. It was um, an old-fashioned telephone, you know, like the one, the kind that you dial, that you stick your finger in a little hole and you go around in a circle. (laughs) Yeah. You know about those? Yeah. My, my, My grandmother has one. Ah. Do you like using them? Yeah, they're pretty funny. Really? Are you able to use it well? Well, I don't know how to turn it. Like, I only turn it, like, 15 times and nothing happens. Atticus? Mm-hmm. Have you ever seen one of those? The old-fashioned kind of telephone that you dial with, yeah. like, your finger? Uh, well, I have seen one, I think. In the, the museum, I think. Mm-hmm. I think in the museum I saw one. I see. Okay, here, here's, uh, here's another sound for you. Yeah, it sounds kind of like a machine gun. Yeah. It's true. You know what that was? What? That was a typewriter. Oh, a typewriter. Do you know what that is? Um, yeah, it's the old-fashioned uh, computer thing. Yeah. It's like you put a piece of paper in and there's ink and it writes what you write on the computer. Yeah, that's right. It goes directly from the computer onto the paper. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, here's another. Yeah, how'd you know that? Because I heard the... Somebody, like, whining a cuckoo, and then it goes, cuckoo, cuckoo, cuckoo. It's a, it's a hoo-hoo clock. A hoo-hoo clock? Yeah. How do you, how does everyone know what that is? Uh, because you, I see, I see them in movies and cartoons. Um, well, in movies. I've seen them on TV. TV could teach you a lot. All right, since we're we're talking about television here, here's um here's a little something from when I was a boy. You ready? Yep. Here you go.
Nanu. Know what that was? Nanu Nanu? Does that mean anything to you? Nope. No? Ringing any bells? I never heard that in my life. No? What do you think <laughs> what do you think it is? Um, it does sound like an old orchestra. Cause I'm, I swear I heard um trumpets in that. That sounds like like an old T V show. Like how um how old do you think the show was? Very old. Like how long if you uh, ago if you had to guess? Mm, 60, 70 years ago. Mhm. Mm um. Yeah. It, it it wasn't that long ago, but it was about this. Uh, it was about this alien who came down to Earth, a very funny uh, alien named Mork, who used to do stuff like drink water with his finger and sit on his head, and his way of saying hello was Nanu Nanu, and I think that's how he said goodbye. Also, he would say Nanu Nanu. Oh. You ever seen that? No. You have no idea what I'm talking about, do you? No. Hmm. All right. Uh, here's uh, here's uh, here's one last thing, and I think this is something from when I was a kid, but I think I think you might know what it is too. Okay. Ready? Okay. Here we go. Hockey. NHL hockey. It's the um, thing that they play for hockey all the time. It sounded like um, something to advertise, let's say, hockey. Hockey Night in Canada. Yeah. You got it. That was a show that I used to watch when I was a kid also. Mm -hmm. It was still around way back then. Yeah. See, we're not all so different. Yep. That's great. That's all there is. Oh, really? Why? Was that fun? Yeah, that was really fun. Nanu Nanu. Mm-hmm. Bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. On Wiretap today, you heard Billy Mavreas, whose collection of 20th century artifacts can be seen at yesway.com. Heather O'Neill, reading her work, Dolls. And Liz Clayton of infiltration.org. For more information on urban exploration, check out the book Access All Areas by Infiltration founder Ninjalicious. You also heard Atticus, Brell, Hannah, Kiela, Michaela, and Una. Wiretap is written and performed by Jonathan Goldstein and produced by Jonathan Goldstein with Sarah Gilbert and Carolyn Warren. Production help from Mira Bertwintonic.